This is Ali and I want to welcome you to a new chapter of your life and journey. This is absolutely a safe space where I and others will share with you the journey of recovery from addiction, trauma, domestic violence, sexual assault, identity and how we've managed to overcome these things to achieve greatness, self-love, self-worth, healing and the ability to live freely and authentically without chains. Through my own lived experience, I now dedicate my life to helping others, reducing stigma associated with addiction, raising awareness and shining a light in these areas of addiction, domestic violence, sexual assault, promoting harm reduction, treatments, what's worked and what hasn't. I absolutely hope this podcast helps you on your journey to unlocking your true purpose and potential. Just remember, we do recover one day at a time. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, non-binary pals and those still learning their identity, strap in and let's get this started. Welcome back, listeners. Let's get episode three finally underway. It's been some time since we released our last episode, So welcome to episode three, and once again, I just want to thank uh, listeners. I would like to thank the people that have provided feedback on this podcast, and also those that have expressed interest in being interviewed and sharing their stories, because this is essentially what this platform is. It's a platform to share journeys um, that promote recovery, to promote harm reduction and also to point people in the right direction uh, for support services that are available to them. Episode three, I want to start by talking about triggers. So triggers that might lead us back into addiction or drug use or gambling, shoplifting, sex addiction, love addiction, whatever addiction it may be. Um, Most of the time, these things, when we've had a length of sobriety, triggers can send us stepping backwards and stepping into old patterns. So I just wanted to cover off on what some of those triggers look like and For anybody in recovery or anybody seeking recovery, I think it's important for us to recognize what those triggers are. So the first one that I would really like to start with today, but before we do that, um, I would like to acknowledge country. I am a proud sister girl woman of Birtlepie Nation. And I'm coming to you speaking from Daragland. I would like to pay my respects to elders, both past, present and emerging, and recognise that the lands on which we are on uh, never belong to us and that sovereignty was never ceded. Um, We live on such a beautiful land and this land belongs to um, multiple nations of 
various backgrounds and I would like to think that uh, those backgrounds can include um, and do include um, some of the oldest living gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, intersex and asexual people, um, including non-binary folk living on these lands. So respects to anybody listening to this podcast who identifies as Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander. And um, like I said, I'm a proud sister girl of Birutapai Nation and you know, my culture is so, so important to me. My connection to country is important to me. And it's not something that I take lightly. I think, you know, we need to really recognise that, you know, this land was taken from a lot of people and a lot of people were affected by stolen generations and, you know, multiple things that have occurred over a a vast range of time. Um, So now that we've acknowledged and um, done a welcome to country, welcome to episode three once again. And once again, just want to extend my gratitude to the listeners of this podcast. So let's get stuck into it. So triggers. The first one I'm going to start with today is family. Family can be one of the most supportive networks in recovery or when we are stuck in some form of addiction. They can also be the people or persons that lead us stepping back into our addictions. I want to share on this podcast that for quite some time now in my own journey, I am so, so blessed that I have a supportive family. And when I say a supportive family, I just want to shout out to my mum, my brothers, my sisters, uh, my aunties, my cousin, my great aunties, my great cousin, Um, and with that, I'm going to exclude my father. The reason being for that is as a transgender woman living in society, it's hard enough, um, to be accepted. And I have lived authentically as myself, as a woman in society now for, close to six and a half years. And I certainly am still the same person as I was pre-transition, but I have certainly changed in a multitude of ways. I now see the world differently. I accept myself wholeheartedly for who I am and what I believe in. And my morals and my values, I hold close to my heart. And I believe that those morals and those values were instilled in me growing up and are still instilled in me through working a 12-step program, having an incredible sponsor who 
is amazingly supportive and a shout out to all of the people that I have met in these programs that have supported me along the way and given to me so freely what was given to them in early sobriety. I am now, I think we're just over 19 months sober. Um, We're actually coming up to 20 months, I think. Um, I might have to do the math on that, but nonetheless, um, it's just such an incredible feeling to be clean from drugs and clean and sober from alcohol and also to be able to approach my life clear-minded and not allow other people to affect me in ways that will lead me back into addiction because my sobriety and my cleanness comes before absolutely anything else. I put that first and foremost and, you know, some days it's really, really hard to practice gratitude and I'm absolutely not saying that every day of your life is going to be happy. Um, you know, we undergo stress and there is good stress in our life and there's also bad stress. And I just want to touch on um, my father. My father has always found it extremely difficult to not only accept me pre-transition, but when I finally woke up on that morning six, six and a half years ago and said, forgive my language, stuff this, fuck it. I don't want to live this life anymore. I want to live authentically as the person that I am, as the person that I identify with, and I don't want to suffer with gender dysphoria anymore. And, you know, that's such a huge decision to make. And when I made that decision, I I flew to the location where my family are located And I sat down with each one of my family members and I explained to them exactly what changes I was about to embark on. I also said at that point in time that I would give them 12 months to come to me to discuss anything or concerns or answer any questions that they may have uh, before I started my journey to living authentically. And... It's it's quite strange that at the time, everybody in my family was very accepting. So I just, I want to go back a little bit to my childhood. So I have been told by my aunties and uncles and my mum and my brothers and a lot of my family members that they knew from a very, very young age, um, my identity. And, you know, my grandmother who is now departed, uh, my nan, God rest her soul. She was one of my biggest supporters at five years old. When we would think about going shopping, I would watch her do her hair and her makeup and, It was just so, so fascinating to me and I just loved every moment of it. And (laughs) it's quite funny to say that um, if Nan didn't put a little bit of lippy on before I went shopping with her, 
at four or five years old, I threw myself on the ground and I had tanties, you know. Um, I asked my grandmother at the age of five if she had any spare dresses lying around and, of course, my grandmother being the beautiful my nan being the beautiful woman that she was and in my heart still is, uh, accepted my gender and she accepted uh, what I was asking and, you know, I never felt judged and I wasn't ever made to feel bad for for doing that. Um, I remember at the age of five when I took those dresses home and I was wearing them, I remember my father coming home and I was wearing a dress and I remember my father ripping that dress off me. And when I say ripping it off me, I mean ripping it. The whole dress was destroyed. He stood in front of me and he ripped that dress into multiple pieces. That just absolutely shattered my heart. Um, growing up, I was always, always a flamboyant child. And by the time I reached the age of 13, I was petrified to start puberty. So I approached my mum and my mum being the most amazing woman that she is, she took me to see a paediatrician. This paediatrician was aged in his 60s and he was very, very old school. And his idea was, we'll inject testosterone once a month for six months. We will bring on male puberty and those thoughts and feelings of gender dysphoria and who I identified with at such a young age would go away. And as we all know, that's absolutely not the case. So when that happened and my puberty started, I just believed that, you know, it was my lot in life to live as a male. I always knew that I was attracted to men. And when I thought that it was not possible to medically transition and become the beautiful woman that I am today. Um, I was absolutely shattered. I was heartbroken. And I came out to my family as a gay male at 13 years of age. I, I was very, very open about my sexuality going through school, which obviously led to bullying on a daily basis multiple assaults, uh, being taken off the school grounds by ambulances from bashings and, you know, having my head flushed in toilets. And these are all things that stay with you throughout your life. And I believe in my heart that these things definitely contributed to my active addictions that I once had. Um, I still identify as an alcoholic in recovery and, um, a user in recovery. And my father never accepted who I was. I 
throughout my life have had multiple issues with my father not accepting me and really treating me with the utmost disrespect and you know it was always me growing up that extended that olive branch to him um and I was made to feel like it was my problem and something that I needed to fix and as I got older I realized that I wasn't doing anything wrong at all um I was just being true to myself and I'm telling you right now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being true to yourself and your identity. So I lived my life uh, as a gay male up until the age of 30 when I woke up and I just thought, I can't do this anymore. So as I explained, I sat my family down and I told them that I was going to medically transition and most of my family were on board. Um, I did lose my brother there for a little while, which absolutely broke my heart. But I am so blessed and so grateful to say that he is now part of my life and affirms my gender and loves me for the person that I am, which is truly remarkable. My father, on the other hand, he never has affirmed my gender. He still sends messages to family members um, using incorrect pronouns and using my previous name. And this is causing me a lot of hurt and heartache over the years. And especially when I've had conversations with him and he has said things like, you will always be my previous name and you will always be male and that that to me is just shattering um when I reached 12 months of sobriety I I put a public post on a social media platform and I had so, so many people congratulate me and tell me how incredible that was and what an amazing achievement that was going through my life. Um, you know, I have experienced sexual assault multiple times. I have experienced home invasion. I've experienced significant domestic violence from previous partners, some of which I have had to literally escape from and move um and that's absolutely shaped me as a person um and once again it's also um it's improved my self-worth and my self-value you know at the time i didn't have self-worth and i didn't have self-value so I found that self-worth and that self-value in active addiction by using alcohol and drugs to numb the pain that I had felt throughout my life. And at no point in time have I ever really felt accepted by my father. More recently, my father decided... Uh, to dead name me and misgender me to my mother and to other people in my family. And 
when I put that post on social media celebrating 12 months, his comment was, yep, so what, who cares? That infuriated not only myself, but other family members. And he was told by other family members that that was simply not acceptable. The following day, he put a public post on my social media platform and he said, I am sorry for my lack of empathy. You have achieved a great thing. However, my, when I made my comment, there may have been alcohol involved. So to me, that was just an absolute kick in the guts. And when that happened, I decided to um, separate myself from him and not not allow him to make me feel worthless and not allow him to make me feel like I had to use drugs and alcohol to mask how I was feeling. More recently, he's done the same thing again. And, you know, I haven't spoken to my father since my 12 months uh, sobriety date. I did receive a message at Christmas saying Merry Christmas and I was respectful and responded to that and wished him a Merry Christmas. I did also wish him a Happy New Year. I got to the point recently where I was just about to reach out to my father and for what seems like to me the 100 millionth time, extend an olive branch to him and try and repair our relationship again only to find out that he's still not gender affirming and he's still dead naming me and he has absolutely no respect for me. Um, it's heartbreaking, honestly, it is heartbreaking. It's caused significant stress uh, in my life. And, you know, more recently, I've suffered some cardiac issues and found out that I have a tumour. So, you know, our health can also affect um, how we perceive ourselves and it can also lead us back into an addiction because sometimes, you know, you think there's no hope um, that you're not going to get better. Uh, but for me... I try and stay positive and I like to try and see the silver lining in things and I don't like to cry over milk that hasn't been spilt yet. And what I mean by that is that I cross the bridge when it comes. I take it one day at a time and that's what we need to do when we are in recovery. I do believe that, you know, talking with a sponsor talking with a health professional like a psychologist, a psychiatrist, even your GP, someone that you can rely on, that you can trust to disclose how you're feeling and what your mental health is like. And so recently I felt like I was heading down the path of a nervous breakdown because of you know, the stress that my father had caused me, the stress of my failing health, which obviously resulted in uh, my mental health suffering as well. And, you know, like I've said in previous episodes, it's absolutely okay 
to not be okay and to reach out for help. And it's when we don't reach out for help that we compound these thoughts and feelings inside us. And that has an impact not only on our immune systems, it has an impact on the way we perceive ourselves. It has an impact on our mental health and our brain power and our mind power. It spills into various areas of your life, uh, into your work life, your personal life, your personal relationships. Um, so just touching on that, you know, if there's someone in your family that is not supporting you in your journey, if you are still stuck in an active addiction of some kind, um, I think it's important for you to recognise your self-value and your self-worth. Fuck them. Just piss them off. You know, um, they say you can't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. Well, I'm sorry. I'm here to say that that's bullshit because anybody in my family that does not accept me does not hold space in my life. And the reason being is because I know that if I allow them back into my life, that leads me back into active addiction. And like I mentioned earlier, my sobriety and my cleanness comes before absolutely anything else. Um, so, you know, having said that and having touched on the topic of mental health, I just want to point out that, you know, I'm, I'm not sure where you're listening from, but I live in New South Wales, Australia, in Sydney. And I want to point out that in New South Wales, we have the Mental Health Line. The Mental Health Line's number is 1-800-011-511. This is a 24-hour service across the entirety of New South Wales. When you phone this number, you will be transferred to your local mental health network. They will listen to you. They will offer their assistance. It doesn't mean that, you know, they're going to send police and ambulances to you. Um, it doesn't mean that you're going to be locked up in a hospital. It's simply reaching out for help. And reaching out is the first step. Admitting that something's not quite right is the first step. And, you know, recently I mentioned I was feeling like I was heading to a nervous breakdown and I was reacting in ways that I wouldn't normally react in, even though I'm in active recovery. And I very quickly recognised that I needed to reach out for a little bit more help. So that's exactly what I did. And, you know, it didn't result in having to go to a hospital. I just reached out to the health professionals that are already involved in my care. And I said, look, I need to urgently see you. And I was given techniques uh, that have assisted me in ways over the last... I guess, week, two weeks, you could say. Um, techniques that, as a nurse, I preach to my patients, but sometimes when you are a nurse, um, 
it's not exactly easy to take your own advice. So sometimes we need to be told by other people. So I was reminded of techniques like progressive muscle relaxation, mindfulness, uh, accepting things the way they are, and just taking it one day at a time. I was reminded to be grateful for the good things in my life and the amazing work that I myself have put in to maintain sobriety. And I walked out of that session and I felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. And, you know, I've been practicing these techniques and, you know, still reading my 12 steps and and the literatures that go along with my 12-step program. And without that, I honestly feel that it would have been so, so easy to drive myself to a bottle shop or to someone who supplied, you know, my choice of drug and drink or drug again. And that's absolutely not what I wanted for myself. So I chose to get help. So it goes back to episode one of the podcast that if you know you need help and you're scared to reach out for help, my advice to you is reach out for help because it's only when you do these things for yourself that you are going to start to recognize your self-value, your self-worth, and where you want to be. And it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, getting sober or clean or out of whatever addiction you're in, whether it's a 12-step program, whether you did something wrong and you went to jail or you um, ended up in a facility and, you know, you didn't have access to your addiction and what your demon was. It doesn't matter how you get clean and sober or give up your addiction. You have done it or you are on your journey to doing it. And that's what matters at the end of the day. When we let stress creep into our lives, it fatigues us. It makes us tired. It impacts on the nervous system in our body. Our cortisol levels can go up, which cortisol is our stress hormone. And when the stress hormone is high, that means that our body is in what we call fight, flight or freeze because it's also producing adrenaline and noradrenaline and our bodies are just out of whack and don't know what to do with that. So, you know, reach out for help. So Mental Health Line just once again is one 800 That's a New South Wales based service and it's a 24 hour line. If you need to talk to someone, if something's not okay with you, it's okay to call it and reach out for help. If you're experiencing a mental health crisis where you're having feelings of suicide or self-harm or that you want to harm others, if you feel like 
um, you're losing your mind or you're hearing voices or you're seeing things that other people aren't seeing, that's a really good indication that it might be time to reach out for some help. So I just want to reiterate that it is absolutely okay to not be okay and it's absolutely okay to reach out for help. I also want to touch on just briefly today, domestic violence. Domestic violence can come in multiple forms. It doesn't necessarily have to be physical violence. It can be verbal. It can be financial control. It can be sexual coercion. It can be uh, stealthing. It can be your partner making you feel guilty for things that you haven't done, um, berating you in public places or among friends or family. There are multiple ways that violence or domestic violence presents itself. So for anybody listening to this podcast, I want to point you to a website. This website is sayitoutloud.org.au. This website has some amazing resources. And if it's not a resource or you can't find a resource that you feel is appropriate to you, I guarantee that you will find a number on that website that you can call and you can speak to someone and they will point you in the right direction. If you're experiencing domestic violence and you need to escape and you need assistance in doing that safely, there are a magnitude of places that you can approach. Um, As I said, I'm on Diragland, so... I really, really want to shout out to the amazing team uh, at DV West. DV West is a service that provides um, supports and uh, other services for women experiencing domestic violence. And men also experience domestic violence. So there are services that are available If you are experiencing domestic violence or any other form of abuse, I would head over to sayitoutloud.org.au. If you need assistance in court-related matters relating to, um, you know, anything that we've just talked about, um, I have used the Inner City Legal Centre The Inner City Legal Centre is based in Sydney and they will provide court advocacy services. They will be with you if you need to go to court so that you don't have to face the perpetrator. They will offer shelter. They will also point you in the direction of financial assistance that is available to victims to escape the situation that they are in. Um, I also just want to point out for anybody that wants to help someone that's currently in addiction, the best time to do this is when the person is not intoxicated by drugs or alcohol or affected or actively engaged in their addiction. I do not believe that an addiction is a 24 hour a day, um, event. 
it can be, um, you know, but I guess when using drugs, you know, that, that high or, you know, the calm down that can last for days. And I think it's really, really important to recognize that if you want to help someone in an addiction or someone who's sitting at a poker machine every afternoon and putting their whole paycheck through, don't approach them while they're at the poker machine. Wait until they're at home and, you know, generally a person who experiences an active addiction has experienced some form of a mental health crisis or like I've mentioned, you know, I've experienced sexual assault, DV, home invasion. These are all contributing factors to my addiction. It may be different for other people, but don't engage with the person unless it is safe to do so. Um, take precautions, you know, if you feel that this person's going to react in ways that will jeopardize your own safety, then take precautions, take someone with you, be close to a door, have your mobile phone with you so that you can call for help if you need it. Um, you know, I am just so, so grateful to be alive. I am grateful to open my eyes every morning and to know that I'm breathing oxygen. I am grateful to look up at the sky and see the incredible creations that are before us that sometimes we take for granted. I don't know about any of my listeners, but I am a bit of a gardener. So I find joy in my plants on my balcony. Um, you know, it's it's not a garden as such. They They are potted plants, but they bring me so much joy. And when they go into active bloom, which they are at the moment, it looks so colorful. And, you know, I don't take that for granted. I appreciate that and I love it for what it is, you know, and I recognize that I did that. So ladies and gentlemen, non-binary folk, anybody that doesn't identify on a spectrum, uh, I'm sending out much love to you and I encourage you to jump over to my Instagram account, which is Ali's underscore motivation. You can also find me on Facebook um, under the same uh, heading, Ali's Motivation. If you go to my if you go to my uh, Instagram page, you'll see my LinkedIn uh, link, which will also point you in the direction of some other resources. If there's anything that I can say or provide for my listeners, there is also a section where you can get in touch with me. I would absolutely love to hear your feedback. I would love to answer any of your questions. If you'd like to be interviewed to tell your own story, I would love to hear your story. And, um, you know, one day at a time, be grateful for what you have in your life, folks, because life can be taken away from us in an instant and we need to live our best life and we need to do that one day at a time. So until episode four, 
my friends, keep it real. And um, just know that support services are available if you need them. Please reach out to me if there's anything that I can assist with. And I wish you the most amazing week ahead. I know we've got another day left before the week starts, but I wish you the most amazing week ahead and all the best to you. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.